Holy cow. Oh, holy cow. Amazing. Dude. You've changed, you've changed so much since I've last seen you. I'm coming to the dark side. Ah, the snow side. You're coming to the white side. <laughs> Are you back in uh, Southern California? I am, unfortunately. Um, how did your trip go? Oh, I mean, it was just the greatest thing ever, you know, really? but I, re I realized, I realized a lot of things here. Tell me. I've, I've realized so much. I've realized what makes a Val of Val is experiencing something that they fall in love with and then being openly enthusiastic about it. So I am not going to be enthusiastic. I'm just going to say I was okay. Okay. That's uh, what I've decided. I've also decided or many, many, many uh, revelations I had. The other thing was back to Elo. Can we get to Elo just straight sure. away? Sure. Eric Logan, we can just jump right in. Well, first, Why not? you should tell people we got where you are. We, we got so much to jump into. People are dying for it, too. You uh, explain to the people where you are right now. I'm in uh, Tahoe, Lake Tahoe, right on the border of Nevada in California on a little ski trip. Got here yesterday. Chaz and I were scheduled to record, even because we missed two weeks. So we were scheduled to record yesterday. I got to our cabin. Two weeks. And Wi Fi is terrible at the cabin. And um, thankfully, one of the people that is here staying with us has like a little hot spot thing. And that's working beautifully right now. So I think we should yeah, make it perfect. through the whole Zoom call. Great. Uh, did you shred the mountain formerly known as Squaw? I did, but on skis, not on a snowboard. Ooh, you're a skier. I forget about that. I am. Yeah. Yeah. But I had a Is blast. it Powie? Yeah. Now it's snowing tomorrow, so we should get uh, some powder. But today the conditions are beautiful. It's not that cold. It's empty. Like it's not that crowded up here. So it's a blast. I'm happy. Living the dream. I'm not even going to talk about that dream though, because that involves me. But also back to Elo. You yes. ready for this? Yeah, okay. hit me. So amazing trip. Uh, Jackson Hole, a couple of days had what they call their early ups, where uh, they run the tram. They have a big aerial tramway there, and the ultra elite. Uh, get to hop on that aerial tramway and get to go up the mountain before anybody else. And on a, you know, big powder dump day, you get basically first tracks for, for a good hour before anybody else joins you. Okay. Uh, yeah. So epic. Um, had another, so I had one of those. It was also a backcountry guided tour that was part of, I was there for natural selection, which is Travis Rice's phenomenal snowboard thing, which changed the face, I think of competitive action sport and shamed the World Surf League so profoundly. We can get to that later. Anyhow, all to say, on this media, part of the media thing, you know, I was with the snowboard media, so they all were shredders. We had a backcountry tour, like, so awesome, back in Jackson's backcountry. Uh, you know, all these snowboard journalists, guys, they, you know, they're filming each other. One filmed me once coming down a run and said it to me. Uh, I looked at it. I don't look particularly graceful but i'm I, i'm not cooking it right like it's just i mean it's just like a powdery run and i'm making carves going down and i looked at it and thought well that's fun i like i'm glad i have that guess what i didn't do i have no idea claim it i have no idea i, I did not post it to instagram like oh. that dumb elo does which made me think <laughs> oh look at how much look at how much better i am than him having a modicum of self-control where i get something 
you know, it was super fun. It was a fun time shredding. I don't yeah. look like a kook, but I know better than to post it. I'm not going to ELO out on my snowboarding, all to you, say. So I'm not going to act like a Val, and I'm not going to ELO. You also didn't post any selfies throwing a shaka with the elite people that you're hanging out with. I, do, I, am, I am such a better man than him. Did you hang out with Coco Ho? Of course. We're shredded Dude. laps with Coco. How, like, name drop with me. First of all, how are you even there hanging out? Why are you there? How are you there? How did you get access to this? And then uh, what's the connection to Coco? The wife uh, is an executive producer of Natural Selection. She's been Travis's agent for many, many, many years from the very beginning. Uh, and so she was helping produce this event. Uh, and so, yeah, all the best for those who don't know. I mean, it's funny. I was enjoying, and I'm going to name drop myself right here too. I was enjoying the thing so much as, as it was happening. I really loved, for those who haven't seen or don't know, big mountain snowboarding competition they basically go take the only riders people want to see more or less and send them head-to-head knockout elimination right there's no not whatever non-elimination rounds it's a head-to-head battle uh almost ufc-ish right uh in the way it's in the way it's presented so i was talking about how much i loved it the format i was just sitting there afterwards saying that was so fun why can't we do that surfing etc etc and the wife said well Half of that's from you. You were sitting jibber-jabbering about this. They, we all were in Mexico with Travis and the, the brains behind Natural Selection. Uh, I guess it was last year. And I was just teeing off then, like I do on the WSL and how awful the format is. And you end up having people surf against each other who you never want to see or don't care about seeing. And it's such a rare event where you get like a John John Gabriel in any kind of meaningful heat. Right. Uh, and so, yeah. They took, apparently, they took my critiques of the World Surf League and and rolled them into natural selection, which is why it was so good, clearly. Well, um, so did you talk to Coco Ho about this specific thing? Did you ask her opinion I didn't, on implementing something like this? I did I did a bit. So it's funny. They, so there was like a surf contest. You know, they have to wait for the snow or conditions. Uh, and so day one went, uh, you know, just perfect. After a dump, great visibility. Uh I think two days later it dumped again. And so they had a full fresh reset, right? Day one there. I don't know if Coco was there day one or for the day one of the event. I think she might've been, she's dating Mark McMorris, who is one of the best, if not the best snowboarder in the world, uh, won the event, but that's, that's why Coco was there. But by the second day, the floodgates had just opened and there was like surfers. I realized smell a good time and just, weasel their way in some i mean i was there as a surfer yeah. uh Co- coco was there jamie o'brien was inexplicably there uh bad boy rai rai ryan miller the surf photographer was there uh eric newton uh john john's filmer was there like there was just surfers coming out of the woodwork at the end um bad boy rai bad boy rai rai sent me an audio clip that he secretively recorded of you jibber jabbering at some party and he's like hey I oh, know yeah. you guys haven't been publishing how about if i just record him here and then you can upload this file <laughs> did i sound even remotely coherent no you were chastising somebody about something i don't even know what it was <laughs> but i was just like oh man he's on a rant right now um it sounded like a blast though i was jealous i was wishing oh, i was, it was there so much fun it was so much fun and there's there was something about well watch now i'm getting valley again about my exuberance but 
there's something about snowboarding where I think it hit its apocalypse harder and faster and disappeared more entirely as a, any, you know, anything culturally relevant, uh, way before surfing. And so there's just something about hanging out with, there's no air, pro snowboarders don't have any airs. They don't think they're cooler or better than anyone. It's just, it feels like a real, it feels the way I want surfing to feel like this tight knit family, uh, who sort of looks out for each other. Um, are you giving up surfing? Are you moving to Jackson? I would in a second. I would see, look at me. You just keep laying valve traps for me. And I step in each one. (laughs) Doesn't it feel good to be exuberant? I don't know why you're trying to contain the exuberance. Because that's totally the the mark of a vowel is I, who cares having one one small taste of something and then just not being able to shut your mouth about it. Who cares? Enjoy it. Don't ah. you feel better? No, I just feel shame. I feel deep shame at my vowel self. I disagree. I think you're well. If we want to make Chaz grit again, then sure, bed down the yeah. bed down the um, enthusiasm. However, you could be turning a corner. And you could be a better man in 2021 where you're actually thoroughly enjoying things and proclaiming it from the rooftops. There's something childlike about it that I think is good. Yeah. You could be a healthier it's called, person. It's called the inertia.com. Yeah, exactly. What it's called. You see, you can submit articles that? there. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they pay pretty well. You can go submit articles. <laughs> <laughs> they have a podcast. Sure Zach, Weisberg, Zach Weisberg, I'm sure is a happy man. I think so too. I don't want to be no stinking Zach Weisberg. They uh, have me misery. They have a podcast and they advertised it. I don't know. Maybe I do follow on Instagram, but um, they advertised that they had Elo on the podcast talking about this new tour schedule for Australia and, and even talking about Pat O'Connell leaving. And I was like, Oh, that's gotta be interesting. And they, I didn't actually listen to the show, but they did provide a quote uh, from Elo about Pato leaving. And all that it said was that he's leaving to pursue other opportunities. So I don't think that there's much in there. You know, I don't think that we're going to listen to that and find anything that we didn't already know no, it'll, or anything. Insightful. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that it's anything other than Elo's corpo babble exactly. and real po- positive affirmations from yeah. whoever the host is. Yeah, totally. Uh, speaking speaking of Pat, what's your what's your money line on where he's going? I figured it out already. Okay, well I all so I my, didn't all by myself. Okay, well I'm curious to hear. I actually didn't think he had another job lined up. I thought he was leaving the WSL, presumably because he feels like maybe he's smashing his head against a wall. And look, he wants to run events. First of all, let's look at, did Pat do a good job or not? He was hired in 2019. Obviously, 2020 was a wash, because, and he was hired to run the tours and events. So there was no tours and events in 2020. However, he did get G-Land on the schedule, Sunset Beach on the schedule. So I think, and I think that those are the right decisions for the surfers as well. They're the right decisions for you and I as the viewer, but they're the right decisions for the surfers. So if he's having meetings with John, John and Kelly and guys who he's spent 20 years with, that's what they would be advocating for. And I feel like uh, that was a success, but to then have to turn to John, John and Kelly and be like, Hey, so you're not going to be able to surf sunset, sorry. And you're not going to be able to surf G-Land or cloud break, even though we got that three-year deal without a known that somehow vanished. Uh, instead, you're going to be surfing Narrabeen, a beach break. 
and you're going to go to Australia for three months. You know, like I don't you're literally going to leave your family forever. Ex- exactly. So I, I, I'm obviously reading into this a lot and presuming a lot and c- completely just making up my own assumption. But honestly, it seems like that's kind of the the position that Pat was in. And I don't know that he can feel proud about the version of the tour. If the ideal tour is less surfers surfing the best waves in the world, what's happening in 2021, of course, because of COVID is the exact opposite of that. And so my thought was maybe he just feels like, Hey, this, I'm not going to jeopardize my street cred with my friends and I don't know the industry at large and the viewership. So I'm going to just bow out and let you guys continue to kind of make corporate decisions. But I don't, I didn't think that he was necessarily jumping ship to go pursue new opportunities. My thought was that it was more, he felt like he was hitting his head against a wall. What did you think? Here you go. Well, you ready for what's just about ready to be released into the world if it's not already? I think I'm it's dying. probably Florence on the Machine. John, John, and Pat worked hand in glove over at Hurley. He worked, you know, he was yeah. Bob. Bob. Bob Hurley is involved in Florence on the Machine. Uh, so that's exactly what it is. Mark my words. You heard it here first, everyone. So do you have, did anybody tell you that or is that just what you're assuming? No, that's totally, completely what I'm assuming. I mean, it make it makes sense. Obviously, I thought about all that too, but I don't know that Florence and the Machine is ready to launch. I don't know that they need somebody of Pat's kind of, I don't know, background. You know, like Pat's but super, I think, super I, overqualified. I think there's I think there's multiple brands though, remember? In that uh what's it yeah. called? The the Hurley Can LLC. Yes, exactly. There's so there's multiple brands in there where yeah, so Pat, I think, will not only be working for the machine, he will be working for the machine. I think Pat could take a year or two off. I mean, uh, does he want, is, does a guy like Pat take time off? I don't know. He's got a young kid. It'd be yeah. good to spend some time but, with a kid and the wife. Yeah, I mean, I could see, I, I would imagine when he looks back on his own legacy at the WSL, he will take his hanky out, wipe his brow and say, Whew where just dodged a bullet because I think it doesn't really mark him whatever like the disaster of the year is not laid at his feet no it's uh so I think he he comes and he goes without like you said sacrificing any of his personal uh what his personal worth yeah uh, his his personal brand value is not dinged by his time at the WSL uh and the WSL just sank under his watch so I think he should feel pretty good about that yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I think about that with Devin too, right? Like, and we've had yeah. Devin on the podcast and talked about it and he explained it that with the ranch, the surf ranch event, doing the longboard event on the surf ranch, he explained what his responsibilities were and how he executed that. And then he hands off the content or he has nothing to do with the package that they put together and distribute to the public. And he was dismayed with it ultimately is what he said. And so I could see Pat feeling that way too. There's a lot of bureaucracy and there's a bunch of different chefs in the kitchen. And so Pat can only um, exercise so much of his interest and desire and it might get thwarted in the next three layers of bureaucracy. So, but, but to you and I, I don't, it doesn't denigrate their, yeah, their street cred in any way. Yeah. Pat O'Connell to me in my, 
when I look back on these years, I'll somebody will say, and remember Pat O'Connell when he was tour director, and I'll say he was. Will be, and then I'll have to dig deep into the memory bank to try to remember the Pat O years. He gave his best shot, you know. He did. He did. See, here's the damn thing, though. Can we get into the damn thing also right away? Yeah. Uh, the damn thing is watching natural selection go again where this a clean format snowboarders you want to see snowboard against each other easy like i mean it was a massive massively huge success i think way bigger than anyone thought it was going to be purely because you could understand it without being a core snowboarder right like there's so many people i mean the, the numbers blew anything red bull has done live i think away ever like red bulls was freaking out about how well it did i don't think anybody expected it but because you could understand it easy you could understand okay there's this guy versus this guy you could the layman could see which run was better typically like it wasn't about you know tens of points and crazy nuance this and nuance that it was just people were going big doing bigger tricks or harder tricks or whatever it all made real sense right which looking back at the sacredness of the tour somehow that you have to have 30 odd men and whatever odd women and you have to have this heat structure and da, 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 da. what if they at the start again the lack of imagination of santa monica of elo and everybody why do they treat it like it's some holy text like we, we, we wish we could totally break the formula but hey why did not they not say in covid let's give the people what they want let's serve only super eats we're gonna have john john versus gabriel we're gonna have kelly versus elo whoever like just make 10 superheats go out and have the great like and just call it the best surf contest ever done especially in covid year and especially considering that may not all of the athletes all of the athletes might not make it to australia you know so you're you're already you're already going to have an abbreviated year and then you're going to have an abbreviated athlete list so whoever you're you're getting whoever you're getting is not a champion like nobody this year will, will be able to say they were the champion right yeah like unless john john runs the tables say where you could say, okay, the John John, I suppose, would have won anyway. But it's it's still it's silly. And I I honestly don't understand. Do they they pretend that surfers have like a strong union and they oh sorry, we had collective bargaining with surfers and they won't agree to this. Like there's nothing there. Like whatever yeah. union the surfers have is, is an embarrassment. The tour is not sacred. Just break it on the rocks. It will bring it back normal next year. But this yeah. year we're gonna have it's going to be the surfer you want to see surf against the surfer you want to see. I'm excited. That. That's even that that can even be a TM. I'm curious. The surfer to see, you want to see surf against the surfer you want to see surf. I'm curious to see if uh, they're even even able to pull off the Australian leg that they've designed. There's still a lot of I mean, moving variables. It'll be. I think they'll be able to pull it off with like a fraction of the surfers that would typically be there otherwise. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think there's going to be COVID, there's going to be COVID tests, there's going to be, but yeah, sticking again, just valing out on natural selection. Travis, those guys, zero, zero positive tests in, zero positive tests out. Crazy. Good for them. So uh, let me ask you some more details about natural selection. What was the business model? Like, is it all just Red Bulls funding it and then they're selling ad space through the live stream of it was that the idea no no red bull's not what did not fund red bull just paid basically for the broadcast rights okay uh so they broadcast they 
Red Bull was essentially the broadcast sponsor. And then there's other like Yeti and there's other sponsors. But this is, I mean, this is Travis's basically gift to snowboarding. He loves snowboarding so much and just the space so much that, you know, who would have like, I mean, it's just, it's such a nightmare thing to take on, but he did it out of love of the space just to leave behind a actual fun snowboarding event sort of that's, you know, I mean, I think the U S open half pipe slope style, that sort of thing feels stale. And this did not feel stale at all. Like, I mean, I've heard from all kinds of surfers who watched it too, and just like freaked out about the angles that they were getting. Like, you know, they had drone drones following the riders down and it was just, it was really visually compelling. Well, hopefully he could figure out a revenue model to make it profitable because let's replicate it. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, for sure. No. And I think that's his plan, right? Like he's not wanting to lose money on this thing, but I think it will become a more robust tour in the future. But again, like it all is dependent on people actually tuning in and people tuned in by the droves. I mean, it was their concurrent views and everything were crazy. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. Yeah. Do a natural selection of surf. Like it's a real fun format. It's just, you could completely replicate it in surf. um, How is the experience of seeing yourself filmed snowboarding different than seeing yourself filmed surfing? Did it, did it look uh, similar to how it felt? Whereas with surfing, obviously it looks way worse than how it feels. Yeah. 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 I mean, okay. I looked at it and just thought, Oh yeah, there I am snowboarding. It was, it was neither embarrassing nor impressive. Okay. It was exactly what it was. It was probably exactly how I feel. I look snowboarding, but that like snowboarding and powder, have you ever gotten any real good powder? I don't think so. I, I mean, I would say yes, oh, you don't but snowboard. after, no, but even skiing, I would say yes. But then you asked me that before and I thought about it and it's like, not like waist deep, you know, for the whole day or anything like that. I've had good days yeah. of snow, but it's like, you know, ankle to knee and for a run or two, I'd say. I will, I will say snowboarding powder is something entirely different than skiing powder too. Okay. I mean, okay. snowboarding powder is a, like, oh, here I go. Getting exuberant is the best feeling on earth. Better than anything you can do on a wave. Yeah, that's crazy to me. That's blasting. It's better than getting barreled. Better than better than anything. Have you ever been barreled? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dude, so I've got this huge dilemma. Um, I'm gonna just bite the bullet. I'm gonna like face my demons essentially. But Brad Gerlach, a couple like two months are you, ago. Are you, are you are you wave king? Yeah. So I interviewed Brad Gerlach and before I did, I felt like I had to sign up for WaveKey just to understand it so that I could interview him about it. And I like it. It's good. You're just uh, watching him essentially and reenacting what he's doing, right? It's not interactive. You're just watching a pre-recorded lesson plan. And then doing it yourself. Correct. And I liked it and I get it. I think it actually is super valuable and all of that. But after I interviewed Brad, he called me a while, like a few weeks after the fact. And he's like, dude, you did. I really enjoyed talking to you. I've gotten great feedback from the podcast. I've gotten a bunch of people signing up. He's like, I would love to help you get better at surfing. And he's never seen me surf before, but I'm like, okay, what do we got to do? And he's like, I would like to just do one-on-one coaching with you. Same thing I do with Con- I've done with Connor Coffin or anybody else. What? He, this is he, awesome. I know. So he's in Australia. And I'm like, well, how do we do this? He goes, you, you'll, you know, send me clips of yourself. I'm like, dude, I don't have clips of myself. He's like, well, go film with somebody. 
And I'm just thinking of all the work involved of that, like trying to link up with a filmer. And then I'm, and now I'm getting, and then I'm getting nervous too. Cause I'm like, shoot, like, I'm not going to get good clips. And so um, it's going to be a big effort to try to get good clips to send to Brad. But the flip side is how do I not take Brad Gerlach up on his offer to coach me? You have one of the premier, I would say the premier surf coach in the entire world totally. offering it up to you. Yeah. I mean, totally. you, it, imagine, imagine that Michael Jordan said, Hey, let's go work on your jumper. Let's exactly. just me and you one-on-one. Yeah. You would have so, to say yes. Even if you had no care in basketball. So I, I kind of, uh, ignored it for a week or two and he kept texting me like, Hey, you, are you going to send those clips or whatever? And then he forced text me and Jamie Tierney on a thread together and is like, Hey, Jamie's going to go film you. Jamie wants clips of himself. You, we, you want clips. You guys here, you have to talk, you have to get together. So Jamie and I have been linking up and filming one another. Like we'll spend 40 minutes filming and 40 minutes surfing each. And I've done two lessons with Brad thus far, sent him the clips. Fantastic. What's the feedback? Dude. It's so helpful. It's crazy how helpful it is. But Firstly, it's embarrassing as hell, like watching yourself surf and you know this and I've known this too, but it's worse than I remember. I mean, and oh, yeah. Jamie and I surfed pretty crappy days, so you're not expecting to get great clips. But when I review the footage, I mean, I feel like an absolute kook. Like I feel like For I'm starting at the beginning and I'm a novice surfer. For sure. You had at least one wave in one of those sessions too, where you thought, okay, that one was pretty good. Like, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but that was probably okay. I felt it like, was yes, it wasn't like this is going to be a good clip, but I felt like for a, sh- for a crappy day and a crappy I made wave, okay. yeah, I at least like hit the lip right here or whatever. Yeah. I reviewed the footage and I'm like, that was God awful. But Brad, Brad goes, Hey dude, just send me anything. I'm, he goes, I'm not placating. I'm not trying to be nice, but if you just send anything I'll, I'll be able to kind of understand your body mechanics and honestly the guy is unbelievable at his job like of he, course he has a gift he really does and it was like subtle things that i never would have thought of like i watched the footage and I, my back leg is doing something weird and my arms are doing something weird he didn't address any of that it was all just like a hip kind of adjustment and positioning and a tucking and then if you just do this one tiny thing, it fixes all of that other stuff, you know? So have you surfed demonstrably better since your lessons began? So then I went and had another session with Jamie to film, just trying to implement this hip adjustment that Brad mandated. And you're so in your head the whole time that I actually executed the hip adjustment that he was talking about, but I couldn't surf the wave the way that I would have wanted to. And so that's part of the idea with wave key is you're actually not supposed to be thinking about it in the water. You're supposed to think about it on land. Yeah. Practice the form at home, like yoga so that it just becomes normal to you. And then when you're in the water, forget about everything, you know, and just surf, you know? So like this hip adjustment specifically, I was focusing on while I got to my feet and while I was bottom turning. Then when I was going up to hit the lip, I was still almost holding a pose when I should have been like transitioning kind of onto my heels so that I could crack the lip and go into the next thing. But what ended up happening was all that projected energy from the hip position 
I hit the lip and then it was like, oh shoot. Like now I'm like late to getting back onto my heels to make the next transition into the next turn. And I still made it, but it was kind of stuttered. And, but Brad didn't care. You know, Brad reviewed it and he wasn't like, oh yeah, you blew that. You blew it. He goes, no, you implemented exactly what I told you to do. And that's a success, you know? It's, it's really, it's actually made my surfing so much more fun. Analyzing it, taking it seriously has made it more fun. So yeah. I remember when old Derek Riley at Beach Grit, uh, he got one of those tracker watches that tracked how much you paddled and whatnot. Remember yeah, yeah. those? Yeah. Uh, and he said that made his surfing way more fun because afterwards, just analyzing what you did, yeah. your fastest point on the wave, whatever was all like, yeah. Taking something seriously, as much as we don't take surfing seriously, taking anything seriously, I think is the key to really properly enjoying it. It's surprising. I've, I've intentionally tried to not take it seriously because I thought it was my respite from work and everything else. And no. ultimately what ended up happening in the last decade is that I actually enjoy it less. And now yeah. taking it very seriously and studying it and practicing at home sounds so kooky, but it's, it's not, it's like, I'll, my goal is to surf better at 40, which is nine months from now than when I was 32, let's say. And so it's and, like, got to get fit and got to get fit, got to do all these things. And I, and I'll be able to do it, you know? And it is, I will say it is counterintuitive because I think it's not kooky to actually try to get better. I think the kooky thing to do is say, I'm just having fun. You know, best surf in the water is the one having the most fun. And I'm just do, I'm doing my thing, just appreciating yeah. it. Like that's the actual kook. The person trying Maybe. to rip is not a kook. Right. I mean, well, maybe a Val, maybe a bunch of other stuff, but it's not a kook typically. The strain, the other thing is I'm analyzing other people surfing so much more acutely. Um, I was watching the Dane Reynolds video of Andrew Doheny this week on chapter 11. And I'm watching Andrew, Andrew look amazing. And that's a thing. Like I I'm noticing things in his form and technique now that I simply would have fallen on my deaf ears, you know, a month or two ago. And, yeah. and now I want to implement that. Now it's like, oh, this is what I should be modeling my surfing after. This is one more example that I can kind of try to, uh, you know, recreate essentially. I haven't, so I stole, I interviewed Andrew Doheny many years ago and stole one of the surfboards that he shaped, which is right there. Can you see it next to the shed? The slob craft? Take you over. This, I stole it. How did Directly. He Oh, wave tools. Okay. Wow. That thing yeah. looks like a piece of crap. Yeah. He shaped it and he said, this thing doesn't work. And I said, I bet it works just fine. And he said, that does not work. And so I just took it and I never gave it back to him. That thing looks like such a piece of crap. Did you ever surf it? Uh, I do. And I put the daughter on it sometimes. She actually kind of likes it. To go straight on, it's probably fine. But those channels look horrible. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks like a, like a snow sled or something. Yeah, um, Andrew Doheny, getting it. Let, let me ask you about Andrew Doheny. Um, my initial thought was, first of all, I loved the video, and yeah. the but my the the whole storyline of like uh, Andrew struggling with drug addiction and going into a schizophrenic episode, and Dane kind of being there for him prior and through it and after, and providing some support with former. My initial. Th kind of, uh, I don't know, cynical thought was we've 
seen this story a hundred times before, like in surfing, the drug addict story or alcoholic story who burns out and parties too hard is so played out or it's so just unoriginal. It's like so pervasive. And then I realized instantly after thinking that, that that's actually what is worth discussing. The fact that it is so pervasive in surfing is really what you and I need to be discussing. Like why is, why are surfers so prone to this, you know, so prone to this folly and this, I don't know, um, unhealthy behavior. I mean, I think it's just, maybe it's not just surfers. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's anything, right? I mean, I think that surfing is obviously very conducive to the cocaine lifestyle. Not that that's what Droid was doing, but, uh, I mean, I think, was it Coke too? Well, among the other, among other things, but yes, he did say Coke. Yeah. It's a love story. But, uh, the, uh, I will say what's unique about this one, I think is Dane's like not Dane quietly actually doing the good work right. for someone else is I think a, I think a fairly unique story. Right. I mean, I think surfing is, is, I mean, there's stories littering the highways and byways of either brands enabling somebody uh, or people getting ignored or kicked out because right. of their bad behavior. Uh, Dane quietly doing what he did, I think shows both. I mean, I think Dane is a genuine person at the end of the day uh, and a, a genuinely good guy, which is, I think that's fairly rare across anything. Right. Agreed. Yeah. And that, and that is the story of chapter 11 is he's shining the limelight on Matt McCabe and, yeah. Uh, you know, Mickey Clark and Aton Osborne and now droid. And it's, there's still some Dane in there. It's not all altruism and it's all to sell former clothing essentially is what it comes down to. So it isn't altruistic, but it is still a good hearted thing. I think it's doing a good thing. And I, and I, I like, I really, really root for former success. I think it was like, I don't know. I think Dane and Craig and those guys, when they started it, I sort of took it as hipster folly. Me too. Uh, but seeing them play through on it and really building a core brand that supports awesome core surfers. I mean, I can't applaud it more loudly. Like I'm so impressed by what they're doing with former. I don't think they were doing it a year or two ago, but I think they certainly are doing it now. Like by hiring a, or partnering with a couple of surf industry talent, new CEO, marketing people to kind of take it to that next level and gives Dane the ability to focus on doing exactly what he wants to do with it, which is shine the light on these guys. And, and so I agree with everything that you said. Um, But I also, I think that again, the droid storyline, it's worth discussing. And I think Dane discussed it in a very tactful way, like, cause there's, tone matters, right? And there's a way to sensationalize this story and to leverage it to draw eyeballs that will put Droid in a more vulnerable position. And I don't feel like that's what any of this was. I feel like it was actually um, giving a humanity to a very common mental health issue that is plaguing our society right now. And I said it's surfers, but it's widely beyond surfers. And so I just think yep. they did a really deft, good job addressing yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, bravo to both Dane and to Andrew for being, 
I think willing to be open about stuff. Truly. I mean, that's raw, dude. I mean, it's so raw. Yeah. Andrew putting it out there and he's let's get real. He's not out of the woods. People relapse all the time. And so it's, it's so raw to be able to put out there and now have all these new kind of accountability partners, or maybe even new I mean, compl- want to partner party with you too. Like there's a lot of risk involved in putting it out there. For sure. But I, I reckon that that's why part of why Andy went so dark Andy irons was because it wasn't put out there. I think in putting it out there, a person can still do what they're going to do. You know, Andrew Doheny is an adult man. Like he can make his own decisions just like Andy Irons was, was an adult man. But by keeping it hidden, I think you, you just make a festering mess where I think let the sunlight and oxygen in and yeah, see how it goes. Well, bravo to that crew. Bravo to, I mean, I can't, I literally am standing a standing ovation for me. Um, I'll get behind anything they do henceforth. But you know, another thing yeah. that I want to get behind, um, did you see Chuck Patterson's post on Instagram a day or two ago? Yes. His, his beating up on, on women beaters. I mean. That one? Yes. Yes. That yeah. really, it was so interesting. Um, so Chuck Patterson posted something that had nothing to do with surfing or skiing, wa- water skiing at Mavericks. It was him confronting a guy who he saw being abusive to a girlfriend in a restaurant. So I guess they were, he was at a restaurant. Chuck was at a restaurant with his girlfriend and there was another table where there was a guy being very abusive to his date. Don't know if it was a wife or a girlfriend or whatever. And it made Chuck and everybody else really uncomfortable. So Chuck ended up confronting the guy and he did it outside, I guess, as everybody was leaving, he went up and got in the guy's car window and basically it looked like they were off. There was there was honking cars behind them, so I think he must have pulled up behind the dude or next to the dude in traffic. Right, stopped his car, went out and stopped that dude. So, I thought this was compelling on a lot of levels. Number one, the idea of posting it on Instagram, I I was weirded out by. Like, why are you posting this on Instagram? Except for the fact that it kind of needs to be addressed and discussed. Like we see. I've been in that scenario before where I've seen something like that happening and it's so off-putting and puts you in such an awkward spot. Yeah. You want to stand up for any victim who's being victimized, but is it my place? I mean, like what's their dynamic? You know, it's just such a touchy. Have you never done it? You, have you never shouted down a dude? I've never, I've never, no, I've never shouted down a dude. I've never been in a situation where I felt like it was incumbent upon me to protect the woman, I guess. Have you? Oh man, I've had, oh yeah, I've had so much fun doing it. I think I've only done it or only been in a place to do it twice, but took it by the, by the horns both times. It really is fun. That's why I chucked it into it. What happened and how did it shake out? I was, it was like a dude pushing his, his girl around. And so just going up and my non Ashton way of dealing with stuff is to go up and get, I mean, I guess what I did with Ashton too. But go grab the collar, grab the shirt collar and put it right under the chin and just say, you do not do that. Like really, really? get physical face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Physical all the time. Huh. And but, how, uh, it, how did it shake out? Was the guy confrontational? He like, I think at that point it was there was a big enough uh, brouhaha where he like there's enough people around where he wasn't going to do anything. He was like, you know, not in my own business. Da, 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 da. But I think he was pretty wasted at the point, too. So couldn't really do much. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, what I love about Chuck for doing it is 
I love Chuck Patterson. You and I, David Lee Scales, are going to co-write Marvel's next blockbuster film, Chuck Patterson's superhero, where he's basically, he's water skiing waves. <laughs> he is he is out. I mean, he's up there with you right now. He's in Tahoe. Reach out to him. Oh, is he really? Yeah, I just saw him banging some awesome run today on his skis. Uh, but Chuck Patterson as modern superhero is pretty awesome. Confronting wife he, abusers or girlfriend abusers in the streets. It's amazing. He's a legend. I mean, he is, he's a real life superhero and it fit in perfectly with his persona. It fit in per- perfectly with his brand. And by the way, it didn't get physical, but could you imagine having somebody like Chuck, Chuck Patterson come up and confront you on Just kneel on your chin? No, he, he's a giant over. hulking muscly dude who's super athletic. He would absolutely, uh, he'd win the fight essentially is what it comes down to. But I, that guy, that guy was obviously sheepish and I don't know if he yeah. was apologetic or not. And the woman seemed to be removed. I didn't, it didn't look like she was in the car, but I almost want to have Chuck back on just to break it down for us. We're going to, we're going to bring him back on just for that. Yeah. Uh, but imagine, I thought what I took away from his posting it was a real Spider-Man moment or Batman moment of, Hey, woman abusers. If you're yes. out there and think you're safe, exactly. Chuck Patterson may be lurking. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so tonight, knowing that he's here in Tahoe, I'm gonna go outside and look for a big CP, like yeah, blasting against the clouds, you know, like a light totally. beam up against the clouds, <laughs> and be like, "He's out there somewhere. He's out there defending the honor of a fair young lady right now." Patterson, you know what? I should people. actually, I should actually, um, I'll script it with Lauren in advance, but I will. Uh, verbally abuse Lauren in public just so that Chuck Patterson comes running to confront me. Totally. He'll appear. You just need to shove her around for like 10 minutes and he'll be there. Less than 10. I think he'll be there way faster. He'll ski up. Skiing. Imagine imagine the Chuck Patterson superhero movie we could make though. Him skiing into the bar to, to take on women abusers he'll cross country across like asphalt on his skis and like do a big turn right in my face kick up a bunch of gravel into my face and that'll stop me from my abuse i don't think there's ever been a skiing superhero there's been the silver surfer there's been other i feel vaguely actiony sporty related there's never been a skiing superhero if we Besides don't follow, if we don't follow through on this promise we made him a promise on our last show that we would run management for him and get him a bunch of new sponsors and all that. This I mean, is it. This is it, though. We're going to make Chuck Patterson a superhero franchise. Totally. I mean, it's all there yeah. for us. We have the easiest job in the world. It's already scripted. Ever. Ever. Every, yeah. And we have a bunch of clips. We don't even have to get Jamie Tierney to go film. We just need to get we out of the it. way. Yeah. Get out of the way of Chuck Patterson on his skis. Um, yeah. So yesterday before I left, I saw something on Beach Grit about the Big Wave Tour, Big, Big Wave World Tour cancellation. Over. Give me the story. It's a wrap. Give me the Everybody's story. Everybody's mad. People is are a, furious. Is uh, it a rumor? No. I mean, it's a, uh, I can't name names uh, who's mad, but there are people definitely involved and big names involved who are both furious, the lack of communication, like there's just been nothing said and Bill Sharp allegedly is out trying to find another partner outside the WSL to 
to yeah pick it up so it's all it's a full wrap wsl shot the bed yet again so when you say people are upset you mean the athletes who are wondering what's going on this year in terms of events have not been communicated with yes them not only them but also them who if you recall months ago were promised more money more whatever uh a greater share of the game etc etc like big promises that didn't necessarily need to get made from the WSL, but were made like as the WSL positioned as quote, the global home of surfing. Right. And wanted all of it. Uh, but instead of communicating like, Oh wait, you know, we are down to sort of whatever, all hands on deck and people are fleeing this ship. And so for this year, we just can't deal with this, but no, no communication, no nothing. Just again, um a a sham and a shame i honestly i mean i feel bad for the people involved but i don't feel bad about the big wave world tour going away it's one world tour that i really don't need yeah but i mean i think that the wsl promising the moon of course and then really i feel bad about bouncing yeah it's just like what are you doing what are you doing but i also just think a natural selection back to natural selection there's a way for big waves to do a natty selection kind of thing like there's room for them in there and maybe it's the best thing that ever happened to it to be taken away from the garbage show that is the wsl and they should reimagine it entirely i think like what who do people want to see surf because it shouldn't necessarily be i mean how much more fun i love the big wave charger but wouldn't you want to see a uh Felipe Toledo in there? Yeah, that'd be <laughs> he would never do it. But yes, I would love to see that. Uh exactly. What, or or a or a Jonah Hill. What I would rather see has already been executed, and it's the Red Bull Cape Fear event. Oh, you yeah. know, something like that. So what I'm when I'm saying I'm not gonna miss the tour, or this is one tour I don't need, I mean tour specifically. You don't need to create yeah. a bunch of events and have the same exact athletes going to each event and trying to string it together into a season. I would be more than happy just having one-off events and Red Bull's proven that they can pull these things off really well and they get the exact right local chargers. Maybe you get Jamie O'Brien to show up as well. I think they've had him in the past. Um, Ben Gravy should be there. Let's be honest. Sure. Get a, get a who's who, you know, of locals and, you know, select wild cards from afar, but you would, you would tune in to see Ben Gravy. Oh, surf gosh. Totally. A hundred percent. That'd be an amazing. Everyone would. That's like, it's, it's that sort of out of the box thing is what they need because they have it. Like you could tow a celeb in too. Like there would be celebs willing to get towed in who would be so happy to go home and say, I competed in the Jaws event. Right. Yeah, totally. I think the hiccup Jonah Hill, but the hiccup is, like the athletes that are upset, of course they're upset because they were promised things that aren't going to come to fruition. Um, this actually allows them a lot more opportunity to build their brand and their celebrity. I feel like uh, there's more like branding yourself, like the way that let's say Nick Von Rupp is living his professional sure. surf career allows him a lot more latitude to be different places. If he was trying to wait for the WSL to schedule events and then book his calendar around that. And then maybe he gets last place because of just some competitive, you know, mishap, nothing to do with his talent. 
that's kind of a waste of his time and talent. So it's much better for him to run the business, his brand, the way that he's running it. And that fits really well with something like a Cape Fear event because Cape Fear would then, like you said, hire Ben Gravy, get Ben Gravy, and then be promoting his name, be promoting Nick Von Rupp's name because we've got this special guy coming. And so it just, I think it services everybody better, including us, the fans. For sure. For sure. And I mean, I think, again, I'm just tooting on natural selection, but what they did successfully is make the course and the resort like that run. It was basically these athletes against mother nature was a thing uh, where that was as big a part of anything where big wave has that all day, right. Where you really elevate jaws, Mavericks, uh, you know, whatever. What's that? Nazare. You tell, you tell their stories. These waves can be a star too. And then you throw in some, yeah, like, I don't know why they never go head to head, like the big wave tour. And I get, because there's not enough waves, but when you have like, how many people are typically out in big wave events? It's like eight, right? Yeah. Six, six or eight surfers in a heat. It always feels way too much. Like I would way, and I know that there's not enough hours in the day or waves coming through to have two on two, but it'd be a lot funner if it was head on head, I think. Yeah. Like who's, who's going like to catch the, Cape, the bigger wave between these dudes. I think the Cape fear event generally has been head on head. Yeah. Or maybe Which, they have I mean, four it, surfers in the water and they do the rotating heat format. There's something about a head on head thing that just makes sense and makes, I think people uninterested tune in. Yeah. Um, like we're okay. This guy's going to beat this guy. So let's, before we go to a commercial break and barrel or not, nah, Let's talk about the AB 3030 initiative because I feel like so many listeners and fans have really want light shined on this initiative and partially to kind of um, uh, shame the WSL for promoting people signing it, but also just to let people know what the actual initiative is about for there to be clarity. Um, I know that you interviewed a local fisherman for it, Do you want to explain what the initiative is and how it's being uh, promoted by the WSL? Yeah. So it's a California, I believe initiative. Uh, It's California, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a California thing that which I don't know how California can promise to protect 30% of the ocean by 2030, but that's the deal, right? Where, so it's a California bill, AB, I do believe uh, 3030. Yeah. So 20% or 30% of the ocean by 2030. Um, which basically I think in the, so I read the whole bill. I got, I got serious about this because like you, I'm sure got hit up by a bunch of people that I respect who are like, this is total garbage. Uh, everybody of course is all for environmentalism and protecting things and all this, but apparently what this bill does is it just guts local fishing communities and leaves the door wide open for, uh, internationals who can, or multinationals who can, you know, do impunity, whatever they're doing in the water and then stamp their fish wherever they're from, right? right? So you can have a bunch of Chinese boats out there catching fish, saying they're not from the protected 30% zone, even they, though they totally are, because who's going to ever know? Uh, and then, oh, okay, these are the ones that get to go to market and or weird fish farming operations, et cetera, et cetera. So it's something that I think is completely damaging to a already under fire local California fishing industry 
and the fact that WSL gets behind this without doing that level of research, my level, I mean, if the WSL is not doing an amount of research that I do, then that's a major problem for them. Because even a cursory read of this thing, you figure it out, right? Like you think, okay, yes, all the words are good. It's like protection and conservation and the ocean is our, what? I think even in the bill, it says the ocean is our temple or something asinine like that. But uh, yes, of course, like we all love the ocean, but why aren't they designing this bill with, why take it to surfers? Like take it to local fishing communities and say, what do you guys need to do to both, I mean, that's a crazy damn thing. Dude, this ain't Somalia. Do they think that like the local fishermen here want to fish every last salmon into no. extinction? Like, like everybody is smart enough to know that in order for these things to work, we need to conserve them. And so I don't know how the WSL didn't go directly to local fishermen to figure this out. The fact they didn't, again, I mean, the, the the lack of leadership, the lack of vision in the Eric Logan era is so shockingly sad that when he leaves, it'll be a real celebration. Well, it's part of the WSL's pure initiative. And while that sounds great, that they should have a wing of the company that's dedicated towards conservation and environmentalism it also isn't their core business. Like if their core business is running events, then let's focus on that and do that one thing really well. And if you have some income that you can direct towards initiatives, maybe do that, Do that. certainly do that. But Don't setting, start your own. But well, starting your own, unless you're going to do it with the same amount of resource and intention that you're doing your core business with, it's gonna be a half-assed version and you're gonna find yourself in political kind of turmoil like this. And that's exactly what this is, is it seems like a lot of political backroom dealing. It seems like this initiative is being funded by uh, ConAg, Monsanto, fish farming yeah. and wind wind farming conglomerates wind. from totally international conglomerates that are funding this thing that ultimately the end goal is eliminate uh, local usage and local access to this resource so that we can have full reign to do our commercial operations. That's really what this Completely. looks like. So selling I mean, it, selling it as we're going to clean up 30% of the ocean by 30, 2030 is completely asinine anyways, that'll never happen. And to say that the local fishermen are the ones who are contaminating and the ocean is also pretty asinine. It's the ones, it's the commercial endeavors that are creating more harm than anything. And so this is like such a smoke screen. It's like the worst version of a smoke screen I've ever seen where it's totally funded by bad doers, by evil doers to say that it's going to do the exact opposite of what they're intending to do. And it's going to put out, it's going to put out of business a bunch of local fishermen. The and the fact that the World Surf League got behind it so thoughtlessly is I mean, it shouldn't That's, be shocking because I think everything's thoughtless there. But like you get a bunch of like Idolo Ferrer, like Idolo signed on, right? And I think got a bunch of flack from real people of saying, hey, wait a second, why are you doing this? This is not what you like. Like, this is not, I mean, the whole thing is such a sham. And again, damn Elo and the boys just like being idiotic about stuff is such a dang shame.
it makes me wonder too if money exchanges hands like whoever's behind this initiative oh, if they reach sure, out to the wsl and they say hey can we get you guys to promote this like honestly buy advertising like we'd like to buy advertising from you and then and then the wsl turns to a few athletes caroline marks idolo ferrera free jack freestone atlanta blanchard and say do you mind if we use your likeness or maybe that's built into their contracts and so the wsl keeps the money but yeah it it is unfortunate because idolo has no idea what no behind this initiative i'm certain he didn't read the bill and no or 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 even if you read the bill like to know the nuances of this kind of thing of like okay wait because it's all about following the money right who's actually behind it not anybody can write fruity words about we're protecting everything. Of course, you read that as a surfer, you think, oh yeah, the ocean's going to get protected, sweet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and damning again. Is it going to? I got to do another story about it. Is it going to <laughs> crash and burn? You think? Because I haven't seen the WSL pushing it again. Yeah, maybe they maybe they actually looked into some of the feedback. I mean, what was interesting was CJ Hobgood going on that WSL's post with Idolo Ferreira and saying, Hey, Idolo, you should actually look into this and see what is behind this and not be, not let your image be used for things that you're unaware of what the intention is. And Idolo replies to CJ Hobgood with like a, like, like hallelujah hands essentially like, yeah, CJ, I agree with what you said. And then people were like, Idolo or CJ, I don't think Idolo read your comment at all, you know? And Idolo. or read the the bill. Like, and, no, and so exactly. for the WSL to, for the WSL to use somebody like Idolo, who I can't imagine read the bill, cares about the bill, knows about the bill. You tell him, hey, we're protecting the ocean. He's like, sweet, like hyped about that. Yeah. But is it a, is especially especially i mean oh this is a this is a like stinking watergate style book right here of figuring out if the world surf league if eric logan manipulated idolo into backing something that was very nefarious that the wsl was getting money for that'd be insane that's the good one you'll you can be do you want to be bob woodward or do you want to be uh (laughs) Who do you want to be? Um, I don't know. I'll let you figure it out. Okay. This is a, this is our this is our deep Watergate. moment. All right. So Chaz, I think we should go to commercial break. We have a new sponsor that I'm excited to tell you about. Some subscribers of this show will avoid the advertisement, so they won't even know who our new sponsor is. But everybody else will have to sit through our commercial. So let's go to commercial break, and then we'll come back with Joe or not. Right, Chaz, we're back. So the people who purchased our uh, five dollar monthly subscription, subscription totally yeah. blew it by doing that because that was the best ad ever. I know. Well, if they want a little clue where they should buy their sneakers, eBay.com/sneakers. That's the that's the that's secret. True. And if anyone sees the Michael J. Fox Back to the Future one, not two, not the future ones, but the red swoosh in a size 10, just let me know that they're there. Send them, send them. I've been looking. Don't send we'll, them. There's so much. We'll crowdfund too it. too much for anyone to buy. Crowdfund yeah, it and we'll then have... send them. Um, so Chaz, we have a barrel or nah this week that I'm really excited about. 
pulling it straight from surfing's headlines. You want to get into it? You ready? I'm excited. How many cocktails have you had throughout this show? Mm, just three. Okay. <laughs> All right. Barrel or nah? Wearing helmets. I'm going to say so barrel. Uh, I castigate myself. I loathe myself. So it's getting Valley in back on the mountain. Helmets have taken over. How many helmets did you see up at the mountain formerly named Squaw today? I saw 90%, 90% of people wearing helmets. It's a 90, like everywhere I've been over the last couple of years, it's a 95% rate. The only people not wearing helmets are straight up kooks, right? Uh, totally. I've I never hate, seen something. I, I've never seen something take over faster. Like helmets were over. out of fashion seven years ago, or you'd see ten percent wearing helmets seven years ago, and now it's literally ninety to ninety-five percent wearing helmets. The and the only people not wearing helmets on the mountain are straight up kooks. I did a while I was not wearing my helmet. Did a yeah a unofficial survey in the various lip lines I was standing in. It's only wackos not wearing helmets. It's not cool people. It's not awesome people. It's just like straight up idiots or psychos, not. Uh, and so, yes, I am. And furthermore, stinking Mikey Red saving his life by bashing the pipe reef with a helmet. I am. If you're surfing pipe, you should wear a helmet. It looks I, dumb. Wear one. I, I completely agree. I am so barrel on helmets. Uh, it's a very small thing that you could do that will absolutely could save your life or at least save um, some sort of head trauma. Like it doesn't take much. A small bump on the head can adversely affect you for the rest of your life. And yeah. that, and it can easily happen whether in surfing or skiing or snowboarding. And so it's just such a small preventative measure that I'm so glad to see it be widely embraced on the mountains. And I think it should be widely embraced in surfing too. I'm fine with it. Silly not to. Guess who's never going to wear a helmet? You. This guy. But does your daughter, so do, do you put a your helmet on your daughter? Are you kidding me? Yes. Of course. Yeah. Do not, do not be a jerk like this guy. Exactly. Buy a helmet. Exactly. Yeah. I think everybody knows not to take your advice. You don't have to tell them. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's, what I do, don't. Uh, and Mikey Red. So that's the that's the story that we really should be talking about is he went over the falls at back door and got KO'd and ended up having a two-wave hold down, got rescued by Billy Kemper, uh, Max Bush, and Leonardo Fioravanti, or at least uh, – put on his board and floating. And then Dave Wassel swung in on the jet ski. Chuck Patterson was on his way from Lake Tahoe, but he didn't make it in time. Um, no, almost there. But the helmet got cracked on both sides. Like it would have squashed his head had he not been wearing oh, yeah. a helmet. And he looks to be making a full recovery all thanks to the helmet. So great story, amazing heroism by those guys who rescued him and uh, shout out to Mikey Red for, Surviving such a crazy Ginner. situation. Ginner. But yeah, shout out to stinging Leo Fioravante too. Who would have ever thought the Italian stallion would be saving lives at pipe? Totally. And by the way, he broke his back at... Sorry. Sorry, girlfriend's phone. Uh, he broke his back at Pipeline years ago. So yeah, being back out there and confronting that is pretty crazy too. All right, so we're going barrel on helmets. 
Barrel. Barrel or nah? Rip ripping former sponsors' stickers off publicly. Barrel. If your sponsor drops you, rip that off <laughs> publicly. Right? I mean, sure, you were on the gravy train for a minute, you made your money, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But let's not forget they made their money off you. You are the pillar of the brand. Rip it off. And especially if you're Kyle Belly. Yeah. Kyle ripping the Oakley sticker off his board and blasting it on Instagram. Uh, what was the caption? Do you remember what the caption said? Was it grateful I, or was it incendiary? No, no, it was, it was, Hey, we've done a lot of stuff together. I'm super thankful for the support. I am on the CT now. I am in, you like, this is what you, this is what you invested in. You didn't invest for the kidney. You invested for me on the CT actually, you know, being a giant slayer and a, we didn't write giant slayer, but this is what you invested in. I'm now an elite level surfer and this is when you vanished, which was more confusion Yeah. of like, okay, like, you spend money to get me here i'm here and you're bailing uh i don't understand but cool yeah well look it's 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 strictly it's strictly it's strictly a financial decision for them at this point and whether they made the investment then or not they can't see it through at this point so that's what why not you i mean let's be honest though you're okay you're not you have a bunch of different revenue streams you know you're making the face mask, goggles, whatever visor thing for the NFL. You've got a military contract. You know, Oakley has Red money. cameras. It's not like Oakley. Yeah, it's not like Oakley is hard up. I, I mean, I think Oakley is probably doing pretty fine. And Kyle, I think, is one of the more compelling surfers on tour right now. Like, I get that Kyle doesn't have maybe name recognition, but he's one of the funner surfers, for my money, to watch. Because you never know. If Kyle's going to beat his his better uh, or more famous contemporary, right? Yeah, and any he, he, he often can take does. down John John. Uh, he can take down all of them. He can take yeah. down John John. He can take down. And so, not getting behind the sort of giant slayer thing, which he has multiple times. He's taken down Kelly. He's taken down all his Brazilian countrymen. Yep. He's taken down a bunch, right? Where that's a fantastic storyline. And for Oakley not to perceive oh wait this is probably the one guy we should keep he's the he's the little guy scrapper there's no tour for him to even surf on right now so i wonder if they just boot him and then like once the tour gets back up and running they go hey we'll give you that contract back i wonder if he would say yeah yeah but why wouldn't you just sign if you're okay why wouldn't you say hey we get it we're going to support you through this uh we're going to give you a peace of mind and you know, let's do a stinking five here and go beat Kelly some more. Yeah, I mean, with Oakley, Oakley should just, should have just blasted out. We have you're the surfer that you don't know who beats every surfer you actually do know. There, that Best surfer that in whole, the world. That whole storyline, you're right, is so marketable, and with the right brand who understands it, they would really, really be able to get some mileage out of Kaiowa Belly because he's it's phenomenal. awesome. Yeah, it is. He like he's he's smart he's well-spoken he's got a good story like all of it i mean uh, like kyle is one of my more favorite surfers i wouldn't even I say he's right up there with stinking who's my other favorite surfer australian Tom, dude thomas hermes oh ryan Callan- callahan ryan callahan yeah, yeah. callahan yeah 
Hannernan, I forget. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's a bad look to rip to shame and your former employer. I remember first feeling this way with Roy Powers. Um, uh, I remember Roy Powers. Who did he shame? Uh, O'Neill. Oh, so when he shame O'Neill. When he uh, he was on O'Neill for you know a long time, and then for whatever reason they dropped him. I think it was like 2008, kind of whatever. Everybody got dropped. And he posted about it with like a big X over O'Neill and like really calling him out. And I just thought to myself, God, it's just a bad look. It feels ugly and it, it makes you look bad. And honestly, any potential future sponsor is going to see this and it's going to limit your opportunities in the future. And then Dane, and by the way, Roy Powers, never seen him surf a wave since, you know, and I'm sure he's presume he still surfs amazingly and maybe he's living a great life um but well, right powers like it was a good was a <laughs> hot draw from the bottom at, at if you drew him at holly eva you really were worried <laughs> um but and then dane reynolds making the film chapter 11 before the website chapter 11 making the film chapter 11 about Quicksilver filing bankruptcy and then dropping him from the team, I just thought was such a bad look. And I loved the film and I love Dane Reynolds, but it's like, dude, you literally made millions of dollars off of this brand. He, he did, but he didn't make it at that point. Like, and at the time I probably said, thought like you, but at that point, Quicksilver was, had been traded and traded and traded and was held by some who knows who, right? Like money market, whatever nonsense. And it's not like it was the brand that Dane came up with. Who cares? Like, stick it to that man. Come on. I don't know. The negativity, I think, breeds bad karma. You know? I don't believe in karma. Yeah. And so I am barrel. Rip your sticker off and stick it to the man. When the man <laughs> stops supporting you, stick it to him. Unless it's like an Andrew Doheny android. If you're, like, riding for family and then you do that, that's lame. But if you're riding for some rando conglomerate thing, then fuck them. Well, the other thing is he's only drawing more attention to Oakley. You and I have talked about Oakley more on this show than we ever have in any other show previously because he ripped the sticker off his board. He should have just let it slowly slip away and never never promoted them in any way, you know? I like to wear an Oakley goggle when snowboarding, when doing my favorite thing on earth. And I also, I lost my other sweet sunnies. So I've been wearing some Oakleys around the house. There you go. And Jamie yeah. Tierney and I film with a red camera. So you know, just thinking Gurr's getting a clips. He is a, a quality <laughs> files with terrible surfing. In him. Uh, all right. Final barrel or not. Nah, this comes, I believe from your daughter's bedroom that I saw over your shoulder at some point, a dream catcher is dream catcher uh -oh. barrel or not. Uh, I'm going to say a bespoke dream catcher from a native American is straight up barrel. Do you think it actually catches dreams? No, I don't think anything about it, but I think that as a piece of art, Oh man, this is just straight. We've we're going to get canceled again. Straight cultural appropriation talking about dream catchers as art. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think a dream catcher, a well-done dream catcher is a good piece of art. If you said that you don't believe in karma, but you do believe that that catches your dreams, I would have been really, it would have been problematic <laughs> for me. If you're like, I, no, I, don't, I don't believe in karma at all. 
but you know what? I haven't had a nightmare since I hung up that dream catcher. <laughs> I'd be like, dude. Oh, I mean, what, what they should have made, what the Native American should have made is the dread catcher. The 3 a.m. <laughs> dread when you wake up and just in full dread. What do you what feel dread about? Oh, all kinds of stuff. Are you kidding? You don't wake up at 3 and don't feel like total dread? I, I sleep like a baby, dude. I have no oh. no concerns. Oh, man, you are a successful man. Yeah, I feel just blowing it all the time is what really? I feel, blowing it. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, maybe you need more dream catchers around your bed then. Better dread catchers. Somebody should start making a dread catcher. So where did your daughter get that dream catcher? That was actually not even the daughter's. That was, uh, I think, our bedroom. Uh, which was made not by a Native, Native American. One of wife's friends handmade that thing. Okay. I was going to yeah. say, so it's was, it is yeah, appropriated. Yeah. I was going to say like, it's appropriated two times over. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I, yeah. I have no thoughts on dream catchers. I've never owned one. I've never, um, I like my dreams. I'm always excited when I have a good dream. And so I would never want to catch them. Wait till you get 40 and the dread catches you. I think the dread really comes in at 40. Maybe. FYI. Maybe. Yeah. All right, Chaz. Well, uh, good show. Good to be back. So good to be back. Let's can we be in person next week? Yes. I'm back. 100 percent Yes, let's do it. Okay. Album surfboards. We will be there next week. Oh man, can't wait. All right, man. Until next week. Get barrel. <laughs>